wife carrying. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson here with you. Jason Walker still on vacation, visiting family. But there's not a lack of content to get through today. And love to get your reactions on our uh, Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. Utah Jazz made it official today with Will Hardy. So we can get into that a little bit. Um, but um, one of the, uh, uh, well, a former Utah State athlete, kind of in the news a little bit. And a cool story passed along on our text line, so appreciate that. And uh, got some additional details that we can pass along. Um, but before we get into uh, any of that, um, you know, earlier this month, Mark, the but the 50th anniversary, the passing of Title IX, and uh, it, I, you know, we touched on it a little bit that day. Um, just to, it was a landmark decision and its impact on uh, women and their access to, uh, you know, universities and education, but also to uh, athletics. And I, I wanted to be able to give it more. Presence a little bit more of what it's due, and a little more perspective on it. So uh, I reached out to uh, Ross Peterson, friend of the program, historian at Utah State, history professor, and uh, in- invited him to come down to the full court press today to help uh, give us a little bit more insight as to Title IX and its impact. So Ross, thanks for coming down today. Oh, thank you very much, Eric. I've got to leave. Te- the house earlier, though. There's a lot of cars between River Heights and your station. Yeah, we were both running down the hall to get into the studio on time here today. But we made it. We made it. You made it. So we're all good. We're all good. But Title IX, um, uh, mid-June uh, mid 1972, um, earlier in the month it was passed and then it really enacted – uh, a few weeks later, signed into law by um, President Nixon. Um, but when I was reading some stuff on it, it seemed like it was in- initially uh, something that was done to provide better or equal access to women to higher education in general. But it is often associated with equal opportunities for women in athletics. So it's kind of has it grown or morphed into that, or is this a byproduct of what it was initially intended, or was it in normally originally intended to include all of that? I mean, these are all great questions, Eric, because it's. I think when you go back and look at it, on the one hand, I think Title IX is a. It was done within the Department of Education, and within the federal education budget to talk about equal opportunity for women in education. And I think it's part of a kind of extension of that whole period of uh, the whole civil rights revolution. Because, of course, uh, 
you know, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 64, voting rights in 65, uh, another additional Civil Rights Act in 68. You had a number of Supreme Court decisions. Ironically, you had uh, the introduction and they were having the debates on the Equal Rights Amendment. This is also the time of Roe versus Wade. Oh, right. There yeah. were just an awful lot of, of issues where, um, you know, gender was really in the political spectrum. And uh, part of the Nixon administration, which, you know, people think is ironic. I don't think it's necessarily ironic, but, uh, you know, they had a Democratic House, Democratic Senate, uh, a Republican executive administration. But they're the ones that also passed the uh, Office of Economic Opportunity and Affirmative Action. And so when you put all these things together, I think Title IX is a logical extension of a number of things that were going on in the country. Uh, how it was interpreted and how it was enforced was really evolutionary. I mean, most uh, universities, school districts, their first thought about it wasn't to include women athletes. It was through Pell Grants, which were new, 65, work study, all these programs, even where you could get federal grants down to help you build schools. There, there was a kind of a, if you're going to do this, you've got to comply with the law. And so to, uh, you know, not recommend uh, a lot of women for scholarships because you didn't think women should go to college or things like that. That was part of the makeup of the talk about, okay, you know, this is, uh, you know, it was not just the Virginia Slims and the tennis tour. You've come a long way, baby. It, it, it really was rooted in the whole idea that women are citizens. Therefore, they should be entitled to uh, all the rights of other citizens. And, you know, I know probably USU and a lot of the schools pretty well on how how it began to evolve and is now, as you mentioned very correctly, it's always kind of associated just with athletics. And in that sense, it was revolutionary, but it took a while before the school boards were willing, before the state legislatures were willing, certainly before the NCAA was willing because they sued. They sued the federal government and told them, you know, you can't be telling us what we're going to do with these sports. And so consequently, or with, with students, which was, you know, a, a bit ironic, but they, uh, they failed in the suit. And so schools just gradually began incorporating uh, club teams, uh, you know, into a uh, first, you know, they had the American Association of Intercollegiate Women. Mm. And it wasn't until near the end of the 70s that the NCAA incorporated women's sports. Yeah, because when I'm it, 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 Title IX is not a lengthy statute with a lot of you know bylaws and amendments and all this. It, it's what is it like 37 words? That's it's almost like an afterthought. It, it's very brief. Yeah. But what stands out in and how athletics has kind of been tied to this is it says um, 
the, the, basically summarizing to a degree here, but women or nobody on the basis of six on uh, their of their gender um, can be denied or subject to discrimination under any education program or activity. And that's probably where the athletics has kind of been associated <laughs> and, and tied to Title IX. Yeah, and I think, as you well know, when you watch youth sports, when some parents read that and they've been having a son or watching a neighbor's son, you know, go to camps, do all these things, have opportunities at scholarships and that, then they, they start organizing and agitating through both youth programs and direct action to give their, their daughters a chance. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I just think USU's history in it is is really really interesting because in the in they used to have w- women in the PE department that would kind of coach the club teams, and so you'd you know you'd fiddle around with stuff and maybe Weber'd get a team, maybe be what you know there was a little bit of that action, but. Uh, when they, uh, Fern Gardner, who'd been here for years, went down to the University of Utah as, in effect, their female athletic director. This before the, the athletic departments would include them. I know in most cases, certainly in this state, every athletic director told their president, this won't last. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We just don't just see, because when I think back in retrospect, it would have been most wise, especially for the state schools, to go to the legislature and say, hey, this is going to be a mandate. Help us prepare so we can have some, uh, you know, regular money to help us through this transition. And so, so when it happened, they were really caught off guard in how to, in how to budget for it because it includes the travel, the scholarships. If you take it to the full extent of how it became interpreted, it, it's going to almost double your budget. Right. And it's, uh, but it has created a lot of opportunity uh, for a, a lot of women to have a, a collegiate experience, a college education, because of the access through sports. Oh, definitely. And also... I mean, it's changed the landscape of high schools all across the nation, uh, even to the point of a number of very prominent single-sex schools, you know, chose to, uh, to in effect, integrate the sexes just because of facilities and the cost and, and things like that so they could, uh, you know, have equal access to, to all the facilities. But when you think of... Uh, of what would go on in the 1970s in high schools compared to what goes on 50 years later. They, they had nothing, the girls. Mm. Uh, you know, some some they might run track. They might do it on their own. Uh, gymnastics was always more of a club thing outside the schools anyway. But But for things like basketball and softball, soccer, all those things come later. And then I remember here, we had a professor come from uh, San Diego named Peter Banks. And this would have been mid mid to late 70s. And he started all the soccer leagues and included women. 
but they played with the fellows in the in the small grades then but but you could tell it was coming people that had moved in or other things and and i just think it's a fantastic uh display of how you can adjust to change how you see that it's uh that it has positive benefits both for uh you know the health benefits plus the uh socialization plus the competition plus the opportunity to excel and uh and and obtain a college education. Well, and I appreciate you bringing it back to the uh, the high school level because I I was mostly focusing on the collegiate level, mm-hmm. but it doesn't expressly say college or higher education. It's any education program that receives federal assistance. So yeah. that that includes the high school levels too. Right, and if you're ta- if you're taking uh, you know subsidized sub- subsidized aid for your lunch program or you're seeking a federal grant to build a an addition on you comply and uh, even if you get a deduction in your f- federal tax when you're running buses i mean everybody's in right there's no way you can really avoid it and uh although you know a lot of people tried they really really it's interesting to go back and see what people were saying it would do to women. I mean, it was similar to the arguments that uh, made about the military or about flying jets or, or different, um, you know, a helicopter pilot, things like that. They just, you know, it's, you know, but the old world of your jobs to have children and, and stay pregnant and barefoot, no more. <laughs> because they, right. uh, and this had a long history too in the schools, I think, of... Uh, you know, back in my day, if a girl became pregnant, then she was expelled. And not the fellow, but she could not be in the school. And so it's it's part of a long history, Eric. I think it's uh, a very, very positive part on how it's affected society and opportunity. And as you well know, it'll there's still aspects of it that, uh, you know, in gender identification and things that will be worked out in time. Well, that that that's certainly been a topic over these last uh, few months, really, which is kind of interesting, leading into the 50th anniversary of of Title IX, and that will there will continue to be battles fought over mm-hmm. you know Title IX and how it who it does apply to, or maybe who it doesn't. But one thing's for sure, though, is that we we've seen a lot of amazing athletes have opportunities to do tremendous things that without this we never would have been able to see that or witness and to this day we're i think we've made a lot of inroads and there's been a lot that's changed since then but do you feel like we're where we need to be with the intent of title nine or does it still have room to grow well i i think uh i think in the schools in the universities in the conferences and because of the necessity for compliance it's not so much in the high schools about that because in the universities, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to provide a formula of support that reflects your student body. You know, that you should have this many athletes if you're male, this many female, and then to how many sports you can support. Uh, but, but, you know, I think it's really, really interesting in those first years, uh, USU 
won a national volleyball championship and finished second the next year. And then that very next year, they won the national softball championship. And that was right as they were coming becoming part of the athletic department. They still had a, I think Kay Hart was the woman's AD and then Marilyn Weiss, or maybe it was the other way around. Marilyn Weiss was here when they were, when they were winning, but they, uh, that first group of women that won those championships were absolutely uh, some of the best in the country. Olympians, the women who started the whole professional uh, beach volleyball association, two of them were out of USU. And they had, uh, you know, a phenomenal following. And there's nothing like success to get people excited. And volleyball, even in those days when you didn't have rally scoring, you had to be serving to get the point. Some of those dang matches, like that one five-match thing, you know, went like two and a half hours oh, because yeah. you couldn't score unless you were serving. But, but that was great for people to get to get engaged, to see uh, a group come in that could be really, really successful. And of course, but it's hard to sustain it too. And 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 I think. In the eye of the public in Cash Valley, that helped the transition into high schools. That you had these role models, some of them from Utah, some from all over, but most of the softball players, they had Utah roots. And, and softball was really, fast pitch softball, one of the great traditions of this valley. So they've always had a, a good support system and uh, but but it really helped the transition into the high schools because it wasn't until I think maybe I'd say close to 83, 84 before they started having like some state basketball championships for women. Mm. Uh, and then uh, and then it's just grown gradually. But it's nice to see these new schools and their facilities and to see, uh, you know, that percentage of the student body having those opportunities. And we're talking to Ross Peterson, uh, great historian, uh, has done a lot with of, uh, Utah State University, uh, teaching history, at a connection with athletics, and uh, the anniversary of Title IX, which was um, passed into law early part of June 1972 and then really enacted June 23rd. Is that the date, if I got that right? Yeah, last week. Mm -hmm. 1972. Signed into law by President Nixon on that date. Um, and so kind of fascinating to see how things have evolved. Now, Utah State has a Title IX office on campus, but that's not really connected to athletics. That's correct. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the full scope of Title IX really goes back to what you talked about at the beginning, what is in the legislation, and it doesn't mention athletics. And so... The university itself, uh, again, you know, we're being the land grant college, but for all other reasons too, that that uh, you're under scrutiny for how you are, uh, you know, handling the issues of uh, of equality and fairness and treatment of your students. So. Uh, you know, that Title IX office is where students can go to complain or, or issue a report or find out what their rights are, things like that, or faculty members. And so uh, in that way, you know, it's different from athletics, but again, it's a reminder 
that as citizens, we all have obligations to kind of look out after each other and not discriminate. I don't, I'm trying to think if they, I guess they'd have the, they'd probably have the uh, ability to see if there was pay discrimination, which is something that uh, happens in coaching, in certainly men's sports and women's sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but the scholarships, the appropriation of the money to students and things like that is handled uh, within the athletic department to make sure that they're always in compliance. And they have compliance officers there too. Uh, when you look back at, uh, you, you mentioned a few in those early years uh, for Utah State that really stood out as this started to transition. But can you think of other like female athletes uh, or coaches who really kind of stood out and grabbed people's attention early on that maybe some people around here either don't know or maybe have forgotten? Well, I think that, you know, in that first group of, uh, of women, where they are now is intriguing. Uh, Gail Abramowitz Bray uh, played on that first team. Lauren Goble's still here in town. Lauren Keller. Uh, and uh, Annette Cottle, who was from Bountiful. And they were all All-Americans. And then Elaine Roquet came up, transferred from UCLA. And Joanne Verzell transferred from the University of Alabama. And Carolyn Kirby came from somewhere. And Lucia Chudy was from Rhode Island. And Carolyn Kirby and Elaine Roquet were the pioneers in the uh, professional beach volleyball. And I think mm. some of them were on a – oh, they, I think one or two may have been on the squad for the 80 Olympics that were boycotted. Oh, wow. That were uh, – at least they were in the, in the practice room. The uh, – you know, we had a lot of uh, – Mary Lou Ram, some of the softball pitchers. You know, softball can be dominated by a, a hard-throwing uh, pitcher. And uh, and uh, we had some really, really good pitchers that uh, carried him to that national championship. Well, uh, it, it continues to this day. I mentioned in the lead-in, you know, Shari Hawkins right. was a great athlete in track and field at Utah State. Um, she's competed in, in, on the uh, world stage. Uh, they just just today announced those who qualified for the world championships which are going uh, to take place next month in Eugene, Oregon. She just barely missed out. She's like the oh. next person out. But there's, you know, but if some injury happens or something else, that she would be the next person to go. So she's right on the edge. Hopefully, she still gets that opportunity. But Oh yeah, that, uh, we've she's, seen some she's great, amazing. Great athletes come out yeah. of here. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a couple that went to those trials this year too, of our younger runners. Uh, you know, those like the Dylan Maggard and and uh, and Cheryl. They they just keep going. I mean, they don't hit their prime while they're in college. You know, you say, well, a gymnast usually hits their prime in their late teens. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that are college are, I mean, they're fantastic and they're great athletes. But the the track and field people, it hits them a little older. So they have got to be so committed to stay at it. Well, um, Shari actually, I, I guess, broke her ankle or had a foot injury a few years ago. And so she's been recovering from that. And 
um, is uh, despite all of that has still been able to compete at a very high level. And did and she still do the the pentathlon? The, heptathlon. heptathlon. Yeah, heptathlon. Yeah. Which I mean, those athletes just blow my mind. I mean, to compete oh, yeah. in one event is like enough, right? But they're right. competing in ten, so it's nuts. Well, you know, it's interesting too because the uh, I think one of the great benefits of of Title IX and the expansion of sport is that not all sports are spectator sports, nor do they produce revenue. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And when those young people are running around all summer, fall, and winter, uh, you know, to we maybe have one home track meet a year because they're all over running and competing and representing us. And usually if they get each other and about 10 family members, that's their crowd. But they just are determined and, and work so hard and certainly deserve the praise. Yeah, very, very true. Not, not every sport gets the crowds or the attention or the funding. Right. As mm -hmm. some others do. But that doesn't mean that they're not worth still investing in and providing opportunity for yeah, I'll, just let me, one story that I'll always remember. Uh, you know, you've been probably to when USU does its Hall of Fame dinner and they introduce the athletes and the people get up and speak and some of them speak a really long time. And <laughs> right. Some of them speak a really, really long time. <laughs> I'll never forget uh, a distance runner named Elisa Nicodemus. And she ran here in the 90s and went to the NCAA Finals. But she was running here when we switched from quarters to semesters, mm. which meant that after finals and graduation the first week of May, uh, almost the students all left. And they had their, you know, their probably conference meet. But when she got up, she thanked her parents and that. And then she'd brought the women back that stayed in Logan to run with her for a month to get her ready for the NCAAs. Oh, really? Her teammates. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, interesting comment uh, on our Full Court Press text line. Um, I think we've answered your first question there, 9315. But the second one is, what programs were taken away or brought in due to Title IX? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because uh, – you know, technically, all the women's programs, um, we had gymnastics, softball, volleyball, and to some degree, basketball by the time they went into the athletic department. And then the other sports, the track and field, uh, soccer, uh, we don't have women's golf. But uh, I can't remember. But but they came after gradually. Uh, they uh, I think probably there was a time when we suspended women's basketball. Yeah, women's basketball in went away. In the eighties, into the into the right, actually into this century. Right, yeah. was when we brought it back, and at the same time as when I think the late eighties when we. Uh, when we stopped doing track. 
baseball had uh, primarily because of weather and facilities had uh, been dropped about 1971-72 but I think wrestling uh, and I it was it was it's really sad because BYU, Utah, Weber, Utah State, Idaho State all dropped it within a year of each other. And you didn't have you know everybody in a conference didn't play it. So that was your so if you were gonna wrestle then uh you were gonna have to travel a lot. And I think that was one of the reasons as well as trying to get that balance in uh because wrestling's a very big sport in Utah. Yeah. And now it is even with women. Women wrestling. It's a growing in the sport. La- yeah, yeah, it's growing and uh and we've always had some premier wrestlers primarily go like Travis Gittins went to Oklahoma State, uh the Sanderson's down, they went to Iowa, but but they go to the best program, right. some of Loft our best House, wrestlers. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And and so I think that was the hardest with a with a long tradition to let go of would probably be wrestling. Uh, we have, uh, you know, now in a way, conferences, uh, to be competitive in a conference, you have to have so many sports. Um, you know, the Air Force Academy has like 20-some. I mean, the academies do that. Most of the rest in our conference, California schools have a little more, and of course a lot of the te- schools have baseball, but... Uh, and we have our own little gymnastics conference. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not easy, and it's not easy to administer. But it's, uh, I think one of the one of the things that helps is when you get into the, the Mountain West Conference and you get better television revenues and things like that. You can you can spread it out and everybody benefit. And of course the. We've really shared the facilities, fantastically well. Our softball field and how they've redone it is premier. The Estes Center's great for volleyball and for practice for basketball. So, uh, and we've got, you know, we don't have a great indoor track, but we we do have the indoor thing for soccer uh, and a good soccer. I, I think we're fine and competitive with our facilities. It's always like. Somebody's got a little better, but you can't keep up with all the Joneses. <laughs> Just take on the Smiths and leave the Joneses alone. <laughs> you know, it's an arms race with yeah, college for athletics. Sure. Well, Ross, it's been fun uh, kind of reminiscing on uh, you know, when Title IX was passed and kind of the environment surrounding its passage and then uh, getting your perspective on how it's affected Utah State and, and high schools closer to home over the years. So uh, 50 years, uh, there's – a lot that's changed. Certainly, there's probably still some some room to grow and, and improve upon, but uh, no, there's no question that the the access and opportunities today are far more than what they used to be, even 30 years ago. Right, and and you know, I think people um, there are a lot of things that happen that sometimes people don't you know long for the good old days. A lot of the good old days weren't that good, depending <laughs> on who you were and where you lived and what your gender was or your race was or different things like that. But, uh, I mean, we nostalgically look at the past. But on the other hand, when you live in a society where we're trying always to increase opportunities, 
I think Title IX is an unbelievable success story. Ross, thanks for your time today. Glad you could come down and uh, share some of those stories with us. Always appreciate your perspective and uh, and knowledge on a lot of these historical subjects. So thanks for coming down today. Okay, I appreciate it, Eric. Have a good day, and thank you. <laughs> okay, quick time out here in the Full Court Press. Uh, don't forget about our friends at uh, Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Friends of the program now open on Sundays, 695 North Main and Logan. They're quick, clean, and easy, just how it should be when it comes to getting your oil changed. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. This is Ryan at My Mattress. The 4th of July sale starts today. Every American-made mattress in our store is discounted to the lowest price of the year. How many mattresses in our store are American-made? All of them. That's right, American-made beds only at My Mattress. We do have two imported beds to show you how poorly they're made. Mattresses made in America that are less expensive is a win for everybody. No interest financing available in the store. Come in for the 4th of July sale right now, only at My Mattress. This is Jay with Daryl's Appliance. Independence Day sale starting now until July 5th. Double dip with up to 30% off select appliances plus save up to $800 on our exclusive mail-in rebate with GE, Whirlpool, Beko, and Maytag Kitchen and Laundry Appliances. We haven't seen rebates like this since before the pandemic. Take advantage today. See store for details. Daryl's West on Airport Road, open till 6 on weekdays, 5 p.m. on Saturday. Summer is just around the corner. Don't crank up your AC unit before getting it serviced. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning is the team you should call for quality on-time service. If your system needs replaced, think York. York has the best warranties in the business with affordable financing options. Call Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning at 752-7272 or stop by their showroom west of DI. Online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence in a beautiful new office complex at 2245 North, 400 East, North Logan, just south of the Cash Valley Hospital. The entire staff and doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art facility. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North, 400 East, North Logan. Go to CashValleyENT.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Hi, this is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. At White Pine, we value compassion, integrity, and service. We are committed to serving you and treating your family as our family. We will be here when you need us most to listen, to help, and to provide exactly what your circumstances require. At White Pine, we promise to dedicate our time and attention to you and your family. We invite you to come by and meet us. We're confident you'll feel a difference. Hi, this is Rusty Allen with LSS Insurance. I get asked all the time, do I have to sign up for Medicare? Check out our website, lssins.com, or call 752-9493. Medicare doesn't have to be confusing. We have the answers to all your questions and will help each step of the way. With decades of experience, we'll guide you through each step. There is no cost to work with LSS Insurance. We make Medicare easy. 
call 752-9493. How many years has it been since you were married? One year? Ten years? Longer? This is Jarek from Jarek's Fine Jewelry. No matter how many years it's been, you always remember just how you felt. Show her you love her all over again with something special from Jarek's. We can help you surprise her or bring her in and you can pick it out together. Maybe it's restyling the old ring or upgrading to a larger diamond that she just may have hinted about. No matter how many years it's been, let us help make it special on your anniversary. Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Make it special. Make it Jarek's. Imagine your wedding day. Elegant, simple, yet stunning, stress-free. It's your day. It's all about you. Whether you're looking for small and simple or have a grander idea, the Riverwoods Conference Center will accommodate your every need. Choose the inside ballroom elegance or outside along the natural decor of the beautiful Logan River. A Riverwoods event planner will work personally with you to make sure your event is exactly how you've envisioned it. The Riverwoods Conference Center, where your happily ever after begins. Google Riverwoods Conference Center or call 75 75- Hey Utah, summer driving is here. Pack up and hit the road today in a new fuel-efficient Hyundai. Save right now during our Drive Into Summer Sales event at Murdoch Hyundai with 2.79% for five years on Hyundai's award-winning lineup, the 2022 Elantra, Sonata, or Venue. Plus, every new Hyundai comes with America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty, and owner's assurance. When you walk through our doors, you feel like family. At Murdoch Hyundai in Logan, Lennon, Murray, and online at MurdochHyundai.com. Call 866-628-3065 receive dealer for complete details. Offer expires 75. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, Grantham Mobile Auto Repair will come to you. And, man, right now, if your AC's not working, Grantham Mobile Automotive are the people to call. Uh, They can fix and recharge your air conditioner, 435-229-4345. Once again, big thanks to Ross Peterson coming in, joining the program to talk about Title IX. I appreciate his time and and his perspective on the, uh, the, the kind of evolution that's taken place in sports at the high school and collegiate levels since that was passed 50 years ago. So appreciate his time and perspective there. Um, Full court press uh, text line is open, 435-339-0321. If you want to continue to react to uh, the Will Hardy hire, Utah Jazz made it official today, and uh, that wasn't the only hire they made official today. David Fisdale. Hired on as an associate general manager, so we'll try to figure out what that means. But Utah Jazz did release a short video announcing uh, Coach Hardy as the next head coach for the Utah Jazz. He's exactly the kind of leader that players want to play for and we want to work with. There's no question as we got together as a group that Will is a coach to lead us into the next chapter of the Utah Jazz. When I think of Utah, the first thing I think of is the noise. This has always been a really hard place to play. You come here and, and you always knew that that when you walked in the building, you were going to have you know, 17,000, 18,000 people breathing down your neck. We want a team that's tough and competes every single night. There's always room to improve, whether that's individually or as a team, and, and always trying to find those avenues where we can continue to improve is, is huge. I think the opportunity to be a part of a group that's 
trying to move forward together. I mean, we're trying to, to build something special here in Utah, something that our team and our fans are, are proud of. And, you know, being a part of something like that obviously is the biggest draw to coming to Utah. So there you have it, the short little video that the Utah Jazz released today, making it official, Will Hardy, uh, who will be the ninth head coach in Utah Jazz history. Uh, well, in Jazz history, the sixth since being since the franchise has been in Utah. But um, his history is uh, he was a member of the USA men's basketball coaching staff that won the gold medal in the uh, Tokyo Olympics, uh, spent 11 seasons with the Spurs, was uh, spent one season in Boston. Uh, he was the head coach of the Spurs uh, summer league teams in 2015 through 18 and the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas in 2017 and 18. But um, question, I'd love to get your feedback on this now that it's been able to uh, ruminate for about 24 hours. Uh, 5338 chiming in earlier in the hour. Is Will Hardy the less famous brother of Frank and Joe Hardy? The Hardy brothers. Uh, but also the only mystery here is how a couple of BUY clods, Smith and Ainge, could screw up this coaching hire so badly they violated the cardinal rule of never hiring an unproven assistant to take over a highly competitive team. Con Smith, Tim Durier, Ty Corbin, this is a disaster for the Jazz. Wow. Interesting. That's a hot take from 5338 on Will Hardy. Uh, Quinn Snyder had collegiate coaching experience. He had coached internationally, so he had head coaching experience. Not in the NBA, but he knew what it took to be a head coach. Will Hardy has never been a head coach. Uh, Summer League doesn't really count. So this would be his first chance. Uh, very young. He's only 34 years old. Interestingly enough, Mike Connolly is 34 years old. In fact, there are 11 players in the NBA who are 34. And there's a good number of players who are older than that. So Will Hardy will be on the sidelines coaching against guys who are older than him. Uh, seven are 35 years old, nine in the NBA at 36, five at 37, and then you've got four that are 38 or older. But uh, a couple, just, I'm not going to read through their full quotes, but something real quick from Ryan Smith uh, about Will Hardy says that he has incredible experience and we believe in his continued trajectory. Uh, Danny Ainge said he understands the importance of setting a vision and creating a culture for players, places great value on communication, player development, and creating the most productive environment for players to succeed. And Justin Zanuck added, as our search committee went through this process, Will really separated himself among a group of extremely talented candidates. And in that video, you heard uh, Dwayne Wade, who uh, was talking about uh, his experience and what he knows about uh, Will Hardy, and, and he should know. I mean, he was assistant um, and, uh, and, and played against him, so he's been part of that uh, process. But here's what Will Hardy had to say, in addition to what we heard there in the clip. Uh, says, the Utah Jazz are one of the most respected and successful franchises uh, in the NBA, and the fan base here is legendary. So this opportunity comes with tremendous responsibility. I'm grateful for the trust the Jazz have placed in me. And I look forward to the work ahead. So, uh, Will Hardy named and uh, officially announced as the next head coach for the Utah Jazz. Um, so, 
now that that's done, the the moves in the next little bit here with uh, any trades that might happen or deadlines before free agency begins could be really telling to the direction that he wants to take the team. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear that uh, now that a trade has not happened with Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell or, frankly, any other uh, core player of this Jazz team, I don't think that, that necessarily means that one might not still happen. But I think this kind of says to me that Will Hardy has sold the Jazz organization on his vision for the team with who they have in place. But they've still got a lot of work ahead of them to uh, get the pieces in place and to make it work, at, certainly at a, at a better level than what they were doing before. Uh, another quick timeout. Love to continue to get your feedback, 435-339-0321, if you want to chime in on the Full Court Press text line. Uh, but I mentioned Sherry Hawkins in an interview that she was able to do. I want to make sure I have time to play that for you, and we'll get to that next, uh, as, long, as well as the stat that blew my mind in my player of the week. Uh, Mountain West Motor, every truck there and SUV is unique and has been customized, so you'll be ready for your next adventure, so you'll be equipped with all the right gear, traction boards, rooftop tents, racks, outdoor jacks, and more. It's all new, now open at 615 North Main in Logan, Mountain West Motor, or check them out online, mwmotor.com. This is Gene Needham of Essie Needham Jewelers. If you are in the market for a diamond engagement ring, I would like to personally invite you to visit our store. With our beautiful selection of rings and broad diversity in style, you are sure to find a ring you'll love. You'll enjoy our quiet atmosphere as you view our beautiful selection of diamonds. We grade each diamond twice in order to assure exactness in the diamonds we present. Shop and compare, and then come to the Diamond Engagement Ring Store, where Utah gets engaged. Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. Essie Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. The T-shirt. We all have one. The T-shirt is the world's most basic clothing item. Over the last 30 plus years, the Logo Shop has screen printed well over a million T-shirts. Custom printing. That's what they do at the Logo Shop. They can literally put your logo on just about anything. Coffee mugs, pens, flashlights, outerwear, golf balls, water containers, backpacks, travel accessories. The possibilities are endless. That's why at the Logo Shop they say, we Logo Stuff. The Logo Shop. We Logo Stuff. The Logo Shop. Don't get caught without power to your home or business. This is Tyler with Golden Spike Electric. We offer Generac backup generators to keep your home or business warm, avoiding frozen pipes, loss of valuable food, or even a flooded basement. Golden Spike Electric is certified and factory trained, so you know it will be installed right and properly maintained. Contact Golden Spike Electric so you'll never be without power again. Online at gsegenerators.com. We also service other brands. Golden Spike Electric and Generac. Power you can count on. This is Dave Simmons for Les Olson Company. Your team's in the locker room ready to get out there and play to win. But you see a player you don't recognize. They're wearing your jersey and even know your coach's name. But who are they? Would you let this stranger look at your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing attacks work. In 2020, the number of phishing attacks against businesses doubled compared to the previous year. Don't take risks. Take action with the Les Olson Security Suite. Get your free network assessment at lesolson.com. 
You've been putting up with a dirty, dusty wood stove for years. Why haven't you changed it? Go to Advanced Fireplace and Stove in Logan. Look through their showroom for ideas on quadrifier pellet and wood stoves and heat and glow gas fireplaces. They have several demos in place so you can see firsthand how your project will look. And you can trust the pros at Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They'll do the job right. Advanced Fireplace and Stove. 752-7272. Online at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Cash Valley Bank's newest branch is now open in Preston. I'm Lance Zollinger, and I'm excited to announce Cash Valley Bank is now open inside Stokes Marketplace. If you're an existing customer, you'll love the convenience. If you're not a customer, we'd love to have you open a new account with us, or even talk with us about a loan for your farm or business. Cash Valley Bank, a community bank where decisions are still made locally, now open in Preston. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Uh, when you buy Napa Auto Parts, you're getting the best. Go check out all of their great parts and oils, other things that you need to keep your vehicle operating properly. They've got five locations between Preston and Providence. Napa Auto Parts. So, uh, quickly, we announced that Will Hardy, that uh, announcement is official from the Utah Jazz. Not the only hire that they're announcing today. David Fisdale being announced. And uh, this is a guy who uh, spent a lot of years in coaching in the NBA. 18 years of NBA coaching experience. He actually was an assistant at Fresno State. I didn't realize this earlier. But he's been hired as an associate general manager and will uh, work closely with Justin Zanuck and uh, um, Danny Ainge. Not exactly sure what his specific day-to-day looks like, but uh, somebody with a, a lot of NBA experience. And uh, there's a lot of players who love Coach Fisdale. Not known to be a great head coach, but uh, definitely connects with the players at a very high level. So, Kind of interesting to see how that uh, affects the Utah Jazz moving forward as their image is evolving with the different people that they have as part of their organization. Uh, but the other thing that I saw, and I appreciate 5338 for passing this along, is uh, Shari Hawkins, former heptathlete at Utah State University, competing at a very high level, has qualified for the world championships in uh, um in uh, Eugene, Oregon, but they announced it today. She just missed out, but this is an interview that she did on Yahoo Sports talking about her life as an athlete and preparing for the uh, World Championships. There's this really cool picture with you with all these really nice tattoos, and, and then I fall in the rest of them. like, there's no more tattoos. What <laughs> happened to the tats? So I, I tricked everybody. Um, I actually do this really fun thing when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed or I'm not believing myself, I don't have the confidence, is I go into something called my alter ego. And uh, my alter ego, uh, she has a full sleeve tattoo on both sides. And uh, she just is so cool, nothing phases her. And sometimes I need to tap into that energy. And so for Halloween last year, I decided that I would go as her. And so I got temporary tattoos put on my arms and it was it was super fun and it was really cool what's up everybody i'm here with track and field star shari hawkins how you doing today shari i'm doing so good thank you so much for having me this is gonna be really fun i know that you're a heptathlete 
And I'm curious about what your favorite and least favorite disciplines in the event. With the heptathlon, I mean, it's seven events over two days. If I had to choose my absolute favorite event, it would probably be high jump. Mostly because it's the event that I have kind of, I guess, figured out. I'm 5'6", and I just cleared a 6'1 bar. So well, well above my head, and it's just, it's so much fun to um, be able to challenge yourself even higher and even higher. And I would actually say my most frustrating event is probably the javelin. I love all the events, but um, that one's probably the one that, if I had a bone to pick, that would be the one I had a bone to pick with. Over the weekend, we saw Sydney McLaughlin set a new world record in the 400-meter hurdles. As a hurdle runner yourself, how can we non-track folks appreciate what she's doing for that event? I think um, with Sydney McLaughlin, I think people um, forget <laughs> like how much of a superhero she is. Um, it's so interesting because I was actually having a conversation yesterday with somebody being like, do you know what's so crazy is she's just, um, all these other girls are just running so slow. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It seems like she's blowing everybody out because she is the greatest of all time, literally. And I think sometimes we just forget because we're in the moment right now, but she's gonna go down in history as just, her, her stuff is gonna stand the test of time. What's the best running advice you've ever received or given? You know, in 2019, I shattered my ankle completely. I, I actually tore almost every tendon in my ankle and then broke my foot as well. And my physical therapist was like, you know, this is actually a really great time for you to learn how to run because you're terrible at running. And I was like, wow. So uh, learning the proper way to actually strike underneath me every time I was running was the biggest change for me because A, I stopped getting shin splints and stopped getting knee injuries and hip injuries and all that kind of stuff. Part of your job as an athlete is working on physical and mental strength. How are you going to help others unlock and turn up their strength game? I didn't make the Olympic team last year and it put me, because again, I thought that my dream was the Olympics and it just fell through the cracks. and. Um, I fell into, you know, that typical, you know, sadness, depression, and I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what to do. And I decided to take my game to the next level and create this mental training program for myself to kind of get out of my, my rut that I was in. And doing it brought me so much light and energy. And I was like, you know what, like, this is something that I need to share with the world because I know people are looking for mental progression and um, self-progression in general. And I know this is gonna help so many people, you know, be happier, go after their goals and train to be mentally more resilient. Uh, really interesting stuff there from uh, Shari, Shari Hawkins. She has her own YouTube channel. She's got like hundreds of thousands of almost half a million followers on TikTok. She does training videos and uh, mental health coaching. It's awesome to see her uh, succeed in so many different levels, and hopefully she gets a chance to still compete at the World Athletics Championships next month in Eugene, Oregon. Quickly, a stat that blew my mind that's related to Will Hardy, 28% of current head coaches in the NBA right now worked or played for Greg Popovich in San Antonio. If you added uh, Quinn Snyder to that list, it would be even a greater percentage uh, but he's not in coaching right now, but we know he was under Greg Popovich for a moment. So really crazy stuff right there.
Uh, once again, appreciate Ross Peterson for coming down, talking Title IX, and uh, more on uh, Will Hardy. We'll continue to dissect it when we get into free agency. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. With the NBA draft now in the past, teams are now forced to address their needs via free agency or trades. There aren't a lot of teams with cap space this year. That leaves the trade market as maybe the only avenue for competitive teams to land a star. There have been a lot of rumors regarding potential deals. The Atlanta Hawks have been one of the more aggressive teams regarding a deal. It's been rumored Atlanta has interest in the Jazz Center Rudy Gobert. It's also reported yesterday Atlanta has interest in the Spurs guard DeJounte Murray. Still some time left until the teams can officially come to a deal, but it's becoming clear the Hawks aren't happy with that first round exit this past year. And if the team is able to land a player like Gobert or Murray to help out on the defensive end of the floor, Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks could once again be in contention for a playoff spot in a packed Eastern Conference. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.